0: involved so please go online you can find this on our church website and register for this oh wow that was a lot of announcements today let's get into Romans 4 you ready to run run into Romans 4 all right so we started Romans 4 two weeks ago today we're going to by God's grace finish our study in Romans 4 we already jumped into Romans 5 and so now we kind of retracted back to Romans 4 Um, And we are going to find great encouragement in this topic this morning. Justification's example. So we've been talking about this justification. By now, hopefully, if you've been to any of these studies, you've been able to wrap your mind around this wonderful theological concept, this truth taught so very clearly in Scripture, that is justification. What is justification? Justification. It is God's declaration of righteousness for condemned sinners. This is beautiful. We walked through the first part of Romans and we saw so very clearly that every single human being born into the human race, other than one, this is Jesus Christ, every single human being is born as a sinner in need of a rescuer. And now we've heard so clearly of this rescuer, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us on the cross of Calvary. And then what happens when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ? This justification that is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, what happens when, when that all goes down? It's the word Justification. This is a declaration of righteousness. In other words, it's like a a verdict reversal. From condemned sinner now to freed. Heir of Jesus Christ. From servant to sin to saved by God's grace. That is this declaration of righteousness that we've been talking about. Well, if we place ourselves in the context of this study, we're talking about the Church of Rome, there's a lot of questions, and that's what we talked about last week. They're trying to figure this out. And you remember in this context, there's a group of Gentile believers who've come to Jesus Christ and are like, yeah, we love Jesus. That's these Gentile believers. Then there's a group of Jewish believers that are so thankful for their Jewish heritage that brought them to this point. And they're like, we love Jesus And we love all of this history behind Jesus' coming. Gentiles are over here saying, yeah, we just got Jesus. Jews are over here like, yeah, we got Jesus, but remember all of the history that brought you to this point. And so I love how the Apostle Paul so seamlessly brings understanding to this mixed group of believers, Jews and Gentiles. And so he talks of this justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and then through the Holy Spirit of God, we find this wonderful example. Paul, and we know he didn't have chapter designations when he was writing this. It didn't come uh, for another 1,500 years. But in this section of verses, in what we would consider chapter 4, In chapter 4, we find this wonderful example of Abraham. Well, why wouldn't you go to Abraham if you were the Apostle Paul? (laughs) He is the patriarch of all of the Jews. But then this is beautiful because I'm going to venture to say that every single one of us here in this room today, potentially maybe a handful of you uh, would be of Jewish descent. But all of us here in this room are Gentiles. Okay, so we are of the nations. We have been brought into relationship with God only by His grace as Gentiles. Well, here's what Paul does. He goes back and says, okay, well, how did Abraham get called? Abraham was called out of the nations. Sure, he came from the line of Shem, but he was called out of the nations to be a worshipper of God just like you just like me called out of the nations well this is a wonderful example patriarch abraham to see how abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So this is the key idea, the key truth that we've been uh, working through the last two studies. Here it is, directly on the screen here. As seen in the life of Abraham, justification by faith has always been God's gracious plan. Okay, so Here is the simple thought. There wasn't a certain way to get saved in the Old Testament and another way to get saved in the New Testament. How do people come into relationship with God? It is always, always, always through faith in the promised rescuer, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Paul says here in chapter 4. Through all of human history, since the fall of Adam in the garden, anyone who has ever been saved has been justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, granted, for sure, some were looking forward to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, but then, like ourselves, we look back to the cross of Jesus Christ for salvation. But all of us then look forward to Jesus Christ's return, the consummation of all times that you find in the last book of your Bible, Revelation. So here we find this wonderful example of Abraham but before we even get into a bit of review Paul uses two really important words and I'll just touch on these all the way through chapter 4 he uses these two words obviously faith we've heard of faith Paul uses this word specifically 17 times in this chapter so anytime you're doing a bible study and you see the same word used 17 times you probably ought to be like well that's that's pretty important to the author right right all right, what is this faith? I mean, Paul is saying you came into relationship with God not based on your own works; It's based on faith. What is this faith? It is trust. It is dependence. It is full confidence and reliance on someone or something. And as you open the Word of God, the Bible, very clearly from the front to the end, this faith is placed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Christ he uses this other word counted Paul uses this nine times throughout this chapter this is a financial term I know there's some financial people here love taking account of maybe you don't love it maybe you endure it (laughs) but I would venture to say if you if you do work in this field that you would at some point find some contentment in this But this is a word that's used in the financial setting and it is this. Counted means simply to credit from one account to another account. To transfer from one account to another account. And this is beautiful. Because Paul is saying the righteousness of God that you didn't deserve. You didn't deserve anything in this account. In fact, the exact opposite. You cannot even touch what's in this account. Now, by God's grace, through faith in Christ. Guess what? God's righteousness has been transferred from this account into your account. You are now a sinner, saved by God's grace, and a participant in the righteousness of God. Well, that's the word counted, and we're going to see this highlighted throughout this chapter, but last time we met, we... We got into this aspect, and I'll just mention this. Through Abraham, God proved that justification is by faith, not earned favor. Okay, this is the life of Abraham. The first section of verses here in chapter 4. Abraham was not justified by his works, by what he did. By the way, we've already had a wonderful example kind of comparing James and Romans. They're not saying two different things. They're saying the exact same things as we'll see in just a minute. But Abraham was not justified by his earned favor, what he did to earn favor with God. And then we go to the next section of verses, and it is by faith, not outward identity. The outward identity of the Jewish uh, the people, the, the, the children of Israel, was this uh, was this uh, uh, tradition that was given to Paul, or, or sorry, to Moses, Abraham, sorry, Abraham continued on through Moses. It was circumcision, this outward identity that would bring to the children of Israel a bit of pride almost. We have this outward identity. We are God's people. And Paul says very clearly, Abraham's justification was not by this outward identity. Why? Because he was, his, his faith was counted for righteousness years and years and years before circumcision was even around. He couldn't have been justified by circumcision because what justified him was his faith. And then the last one is by faith, not religious privilege. If you think about the religious privilege of the children of Israel, it was surrounded by the Torah, the law, God's blessing of the words to Moses. And Paul very, clearly, or Paul very clearly says that Abraham could not have been justified by the law. Why? The law wasn't even around for another 600 years. So how in the world could, Paul, uh, could, could Abraham be justified by the law if it didn't come for 600 years after he placed his faith in God and Jesus Christ, the promise? Now that's where Paul is in this chapter. But... One of the beauties, the treasures of this this entire chapter comes in the next set of verses. And here's what we're going to study this morning. Through Abraham, God proved that justification is by faith. And this faith is a faith that perseveres in God's gracious promises. Let's wrap our minds around that for a couple minutes. By faith that perseveres in God's gracious promise. Would you look with me at verses 16 to 25. I will read this passage, all of these verses. And as I read these, would you kind of take mental note of the promise theme that that really lines this entire section of verses, the theme of promise. Let me go ahead and read this. I'm going to start in verse 16. Uh, You can follow along in your Bibles, on your device, or even uh, it's on your handout there. Verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his, Abraham's offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, which is Israel, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. Verse 17, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. And all the Gentiles here in the body of Christ, the cross community says, Praise God! In the presence of God, verse 17, In the presence of the God in whom he believed, Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Verse 18. And we're going to find a series of descriptions now of of Paul's persevering, uh, sorry, Abraham's persevering faith. Verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations and that he would be. As he would be told, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. How do you like that description of an older man? That's, that's what's in the scripture here of Abraham, 100-year-old Abraham, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb as a 90-year-old. Verse 20, Now, uh, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. Okay, I don't often do this. I'm going to read that verse one more time. Let us let this sink in before we even expose this verse. This is Abraham's persevering faith. Here it is. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory. Verse 21. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now where does all of this promise lead? Well, if you look with me at verses 22 through 25, verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for Abraham's sake alone, but it was for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord. Where is all of this promise leading, brothers and sisters in Christ? All of this promise to Abraham is leading to Jesus, our Lord. Verse 25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. What a dynamic end to this chapter. Paul's saying, let me tell you about the faith of Abraham. But where is this faith grounded? It is in Jesus and I might say this today, No, I might, not just might, I will say this today, it is just the same for you and for me. <laughs> Fully convinced that what God has said and promised He is able to do through Jesus Christ. So, if we're talking about this promise, we must remind ourselves very quickly what was promised to Abraham. Okay, so this whole chapter, this whole book, section of this chapter is talking about the promise given to Abraham what was the promise given to Abraham well in our Bibles we got to go back to the very first book all right this is Genesis we we kind of mentioned this the other day Genesis 12 through 18 you find all of this promise described and and sort of in tears levels all right this is the Abrahamic covenant exposed the promise of God to Abraham and what did all if you were to summarize all of this promise what would it come down to here's what it would come down to God promised to Abraham, first of all, land, okay? This is a home. Abraham, I will give you a home. But why will I give you a home? It's because the next thing he promised to him was offspring or seed. In other words, many people will come from you. Even as a 75 year old into a 100 year old, guess what? Your nation will be great. In fact, Abraham, look up into the stars. Try to count them, Abraham. I I would love to get a replay of this when I get to heaven. Abraham looking up and being like, yeah, mm mm-hmm. One, two, three, four. God, I don't even have one yet. Can you imagine this tension in his life? The stretching of his faith? I might interject this right now. What tension is in your life? about this. Sickness, disease, death, uncertainty. What tension is is in your life right now? And you look up to the skies and you're like, God, really? That's Abraham. But Abraham believed God. So deeply he believed in God that he persevered in faith, and that is this chapter. He took the next step of obedience, and the next step of obedience, and the next step of obedience, just like when we get up in the morning and we're like, how can we get out of bed? I, mean, I heard news this week about public school systems in the state of California, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Not just public, private as well. And this upcoming mandate, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I was getting a bit frustrated. And I know there's different opinions in this room, and I'm definitely not going there for uh, persuasions, but I will tell you, for me, that was a bit of a tension. And then it seemed like almost every day this week there was tension in my life. Oh, my, we're talking deep discouragements. I have been so, my heart has been so heavy for my sister Patty Jo this week. And the loss of one of our dear, dear friends and servants of Jesus at this church, Rick. My heart was heavy yesterday with the passing of Roger, a man who loved God and His Word, who would sit there with a big smile on his face, with with his Bible and sometimes notebook. Why? Because he was a student of the Word. And And you go through these times in your life and you're like, God, why? You know what's happening? God is growing our faith just like he did to Abraham. Well, the promise God gave to Abraham, and back to this, land, seed, but there was one more aspect to the promise of Abraham that we cannot ignore. This is important to the foundation of the entire word of God. All right? God's redemptive plan is based on this aspect, obviously the glory of God, but it is seen to you and to me through this aspect of the promise. God promised to Abraham that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. All the families of the world would be blessed. In other words, it wasn't just Abraham's seed that would be blessed, his physical seed. It was those who would trust in the one that would come from Abraham. And who would come from Abraham? Jesus! And that would include the nations. That would include you and me. I want us to just take our remaining time this morning and kind of unpack this promise. It's not even in your handout. You've got a little space in the back, and you can write this out if you'd like. But I want us to kind of dial in on some of these um, basic thoughts out of this text. These themes. These themes. And here's one theme that we cannot ignore as we go through this promise to Abraham. This promise, God's gracious promise, is consumed with Jesus Christ. In our minds, we can't just think that this promise is just about the land and the seed, and it stops there. No, the land and the seed lead to something else, someone else. It is Jesus. And that's clearly formulated in this entire chapter. I mean, verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. But I want to jump again down to verses 23 and 24. You can listen or you can follow along on your handout there. Verse 23. But the words, it was counted to him, were written for Abraham's sake, not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. What is the whole point here? All of this, this entire promise to Abraham is pointing to Jesus. It is consumed with Jesus Christ. So this leads us back to our discussion from a couple weeks ago how were people in the Old Testament saved? They were saved by trusting in God's promise for a coming Messiah. What happened in the first 3 chapters of your Bible? We're talking about Genesis 1 through 3. We find that Abraham, or sorry, Adam and Eve rebelled against God, but then we find this beautiful, it's called the first rendering of the gospel in Genesis chapter 3. And what does God in all his grace and mercy and kindness do? He says, I'm not going to leave you without a rescuer. I will fix this. And as we've talked so many times, that is the rest of our Bibles from Genesis all the way to the consummation of all things. At the end, especially in the Old Testament, we're finding Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. All of the covenants of the Old Testament are pointing to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. Now in Romans, as Paul is looking back to the Old Testament, he's saying this. This Abrahamic covenant, it's consumed with Jesus. Jesus. Abraham, this example of one whose faith was counted for righteousness, who did he put his faith in? It was the promise of God to the rescuer Messiah, Jesus. As we process through this promise, as we process through the life and the things we're going through right now, all of God's promises and all of the scriptures start and end with one person. It is Jesus Christ. I love reading through the book of Psalms the Psalms. I love finding these promises all the way through these passages and studying through Isaiah and Jeremiah and the promise of the prophets. But I love this, that every single promise that you find in Scripture is inseparable from the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening in this text. So, God's gracious promise is consumed with Jesus Christ, but then, brothers and sisters, I might reiterate this, God's gracious promise, as Paul talks of it here in this passage, includes the nations. This is not just Israel, it includes you and me. All the nations or the families of the world would be blessed through Abraham. Um, Verse 16, that is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, okay, Israel, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so in your mind, you're thinking, okay, who is that that shares of this faith? Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Wow! I got so excited about that this week. Guess what? From being from the nations, I mean, as we found through, uh, all the way through the book of Romans so far, we are dead sinners. You, You cannot find spiritual life in yourself. We cannot, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians, we who were dead were quickened. I made a great discussion about that this week with my son. I uh, did a little hunting this week, and um, we were talking about, we were driving a little bit, and we were talking about dead animals. That's something you might talk about when you're hunting. <laughs> What's the fact? If there's a dead animal, guess what? As much as you try to take that home back home and give it water and even give it some of that great horse feed, as much as you try to revive that thing, it's going to take a miracle from God to bring that thing to life. And I'm going to say, exactly like you and me, we are born into this world as rebellious sinners, dead in our trespasses. That's what the Scripture says. We needed a miracle of God's grace. And I love that because this is, comes alive in this passage. We of the nations who God has given life to. God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Gentiles following after Jesus. By the way, did Abraham know a bit about new life out of dead situations? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look how he's described here, okay? As, as, as kind as you might say it, a 100-year-old dude is not going to expect being a new dad. I mean, the Scripture actually says uh, he's as good as dead, is what you said. I mean, I'm not trying to... He's as much as dead. I mean, he's older. You, you don't find new life out of this. It's this stage in his life, as, as much as he is living and, and an encouragement to those around him, he's not looking to produce an heir. But God brought life out of the dead. I love this so when we go through this passage we want to realize that this promise is consumed with Christ this promise includes you and me it includes the nations and this promise demands persevering faith and for the remainder of our time today I want us to just jump into this why because this is where you and I are right now think about what's happening at your well maybe don't think about what's happening at your work (laughs) What's happening in our state, in our country, in our world? So many uncertainty and doubts and fears, pain and death. What are we called to do? We're called to persevere in faith. Would you see the perseverance of faith in Abraham's life in verses 18 through 21? I'll just read these again. In hope he believed Against hope. That he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told. That is so important. As he had been told. By whom? God. So what do we do when our faith is tested? We believe God in his word. We find our hope in the sufficient scriptures that we have on our laps right now. We go to this word each and every day, and we truly believe it. Verse 19. He did not wink in in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb as a 90-year-old. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave God the glory, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. (laughs) This Abraham, who had been justified by faith, proved that true faith was persevering faith. We must wrap our minds around that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we go to the Scriptures, we find that true faith is persevering faith. And catch this, though. It's not that Abraham didn't ever struggle. Just go ask the Pharaoh of Egypt. Just go ask Hagar or Ishmael. It's not that he didn't at some point struggle, but what did he do? He reminded himself of God's promise and he took another step of obedience after another step of obedience, just like you and me. True faith is persevering faith. If you doubt me, read through the entire book of James this afternoon. True faith is persevering faith. But Abraham believed God's promise and it translated into a perseverance that impacted every decision of his life, just like for you and for me. This is the faith of the Word of God. Consider these phrases with me and we'll we'll be done. Let's just walk through these phrases, make some application, and we'll go our way. These are worth their weight in gold. Every single one of them. Uh, Through the struggles of this week, honestly, I'm sitting back and and just getting interrogated with, with discouragement. Walking myself back to these phrases and texts. Starting with this one, in hope. He believed against hope. This is, a, this is an interesting phrase. I love it. Against all hope, he still believed in hope. Okay, against all the odds, he still believed. When things were hopeless in faith, he still hoped. He still chose to believe God's word and promise even when everything looked like that promise wasn't going to be fulfilled. He still put his confident expectation in his God. Friends, what about the 21st year of the 21st century? What about October? What about today? What about tomorrow? In this broken world we live in, can you identify with this phrase? (laughs) In hope he believed against all hope. What about the next one? Let's just go to the next one. He did not weaken his faith. Oh, this is so good. He did not allow his faith to be limited by adverse situations or uncertain situations or impossible situations. He didn't let it shrink his faith. No. Friends, in this broken world we live in, can you identify with that phrase? How about this next one? No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. No uncertainty made him doubt or to be at odds with the promise that God had given him. Even though he initially laughed, even though at times in his life, He did make some poor decisions. By God's grace, he found resolve to not stagger and not lose sight of the promise. Friends, in this broken world, can you identify with that statement? No unbelief made him waver. How about the next one? But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So not only did he not let his faith shrink or become weakened, what did he do by God's grace? He strengthened it. The opposite of growing weak is that his resolve to put faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the promised rescuer, the promise of God, grew stronger and stronger. Even, well, I mean, a very... Easy example to go to would be something like what happens on the sports field every day. <laughs> these believers, or, or sorry, these, these athletes strengthening themselves. What happens in the weight room? Strengthen themselves one, after, one day after another. It's going to be tough lifting those weights. It's going to be tough doing those sprints. But one day after another, you're strengthening yourself. But that, that, is, that is what we go through every day. The toughness The adverse situations, by the way, we have to remind ourselves what's going to come in the very next verses in Romans 5. The trying of our faith, as we see in Romans 5, we'll remind ourselves about that next week. But he grew strong in his faith, and then this, oh boy. To me, this is the summarized pinnacle of this chapter. This is where this is headed. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Abraham found confident assurance of a fact and fully expected, expected a definite result. Why? Because of the one behind the promise. It was God. He put his faith in God. Abraham was fully convinced that God was strong enough to do what he said he would do. Even when every part of the equation said, don't trust that God. That God doesn't know what he's doing. Abraham, by God's grace, and it's clearly by his grace because the passage says it's by God's grace, walked himself back to the truth that there's a God who promised something and he will do it. He's strong enough to get it done. This is not some weak, flimsy God behind a promise that means nothing. This is a strong God, the creator and sustainer of all life, who is all in to his promise. As an example to all of us, Abraham's Abraham was confident in God as he preserved and persevered in faith. And so, I mean, I think we could just jump to this today so much more I could say about each one of these phrases, but I I just want to jump into the so what application. This this is so meaningful for you and for me today. And, And here's a question. Are you persevering in faith as you cling to Christ? Clearly, in this chapter justification by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone but this is not a meaningless faith this is a persevering faith and so the question is are you persevering in faith as as you cling to christ i, I think the whole so what is wrapped up in these three verses but the words it was counted to him verses 23 through 25 this is the so what And actually paul puts this in this in this passage by the Holy Spirit. Here it is. But the words that was counted to Him were not written for His sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in Him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered for, up for our trespasses and raised up for our justification. This is very personal and very practical. Young ones sitting in this room right here, right now. Children, teens. This is for you. This is for you to put your faith in the promises of a God who will never let you down. Are you persevering in faith as you cling to Christ? How personal and how practical. And and I would reiterate this again. I've been overwhelmed with this throughout the entire week. My wife would tell you. (laughs) Through bouts of discouragement, I've been asking myself, how should I respond to what's going on around me? How should I respond to the death of two men I loved in in our Bible study on Tuesday mornings? How do we process this? Well, how do we process the?" the sobering health struggles in our church and in our community? How do we process the overwhelming reality of death among family members and close friends? How do we process the frustrating political demands that are massively overreaching into the boundaries of our personal lives? How do we process the fearful uncertainty about social and economic stability? How do we process the staggering realization that the nation, the world that I grew up in, is not the world that my children will grow up in? How do I respond? How do I process this? It's in the text. It's not hidden at all just like a 100-year-old patriarch named Abraham, we must trust the promise of God grounded firmly in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In hope, we believe against hope. We refuse to let our faith in God's promise through Christ weaken or waver in the slightest By God's grace, we grow stronger in our faith as we give God the glory. By God's grace, we remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what He promised in your life and my life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, in accordance with this text, we must persevere in our faith in the risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be fully convinced that the one who started a good work in you, he will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. We must be fully convinced that our citizenship is in heaven from once we look to our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be fully convinced that Jesus is truly the author and finisher of our faith is the last text that I sent to my brother Roger. As he stepped from this life into the next, my brother find comfort in the fact that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. Friends, when we leave this building today, will you remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what he promised? when you discuss the struggles of life and death at the lunch table today, whatever other struggles you might discuss, will you remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what He promised in Christ? When you pillow your head at night tonight, will you remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what He promised? When you wake up with the uncertainties of a new day tomorrow morning, will you remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what He promised in Christ? When you talk with your friends and coworkers and classmates tomorrow morning, will you remain fully convinced that God is able to do exactly, exactly, exactly what He promised in Christ? Just like a 100-year-old named Abraham... As we persevere in our faith, let us remain fully convinced that in Christ, God is able to do exactly what he promised. So God, we praise you for that thought. Oh, by your sovereign hand and your perfect timing, I thank you for bringing this text into our church this week. I thank you for the comfort and encouragement this text has been to me all week long. I thank you for the meaning behind it. More importantly, I thank you that you are the God behind it. I thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. My friends here today, We're going to close out this service with a word of prayer. I'm not going to belabor this. We've already gone a bit over our time. But I will just say this. There's some of you that came here today that you have heard some of this, and maybe most of this, but maybe it doesn't all make sense to you. And I would like to start by saying this. It's no mistake that you're here. God wanted you to hear exactly what you heard today. This. That you were born into this world as a rebellious sinner against God and God, by His holiness, had to deal with this sin. It is to be dealt with through condemnation. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, He sent Jesus Christ to pay for your sins. My friends, the scripture is very clear that you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot extinguish all of those stains of, or clear all of those stains of sin in your life. The only way that your sin can be forgiven is through the blood of Jesus Christ who paid for your sins on the cross of Calvary. And so this morning, if you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would implore you, let this be that day. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and call on Him to save your soul. I will be in this room and in the foyer, other elders and chaplains will be around this building i would encourage you if you're still struggling with this don't hesitate to come talk and pray with one of us as soon as we close out this service don't let this issue go unsettled when you walk out these doors for those of us who have come to jesus christ in saving faith my prayer this week is in accordance with this text that each one of us would persevere in our faith, the trials were seen right in front of us, that we would be fully convinced that God is able to do exactly what He promised. And so God, we close out this service with that prayer. Give us grace every day this week to be fully convinced that in Christ, You will fulfill exactly what you promised. And we thank you for that. We pray all of this, my Father, our Father, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for